My first guest today is the hardest working independent musician I know. He's the man with many hats who just happens to rap. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Mr. Arlo Baverick. Welcome, Arlo. Thank How you doing, brother? Thank you for having me, True. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> of course. Anytime, anytime. Um, as I mentioned in my intro, you are one of the hardest working musicians that I know 100%. And um, Thank you. you're welcome. And uh, I just want to know, like, where does that hustle come from? Like... How did you get to that point where, where you work so hard that you, you're outworking everybody in the industry? I, I think it's one of two things. I think part of it is just the, um, the family that I come from. Um, my mom is, is a very hardworking woman. Um, uh, yeah, like my, my father is as well too. Like, uh, and I think that just the family, the dynamic that I had of just like always staying busy. Um, and part of it was just having this dream that just seemed impossible as well too. Cause you gotta keep in mind that when I first began my journey into music, like all the things that we see possible as far as like hearing hip hop on the radio was impossible. All this uh, artists, like having a hip hop artist from Canada that could be the biggest artist in the world, biggest hip hop artist in the world was impossible, but um, I think that there was a lot of us that believed that this would be possible, but we understood that it would take a certain level of work and commitment um, in order for this to actually be true. Um, and I think part of it as well too is just the fact of like, you're, yes, you have these these uh, people that you look up to, like what we've seen in our formative years uh, from like Rockefeller or from too short or from Master P um, was just this independent hustle, this independent grind. And, and you're, you never feel satisfied because you know, there's still more work to do. Um, and also it's, it's, it's a matter of, of uh, leaving behind a legacy. And I think that's the, the biggest thing because we're only here on this planet for a short period of time. And hopefully I'm, I'm here for as long as I can be, but I want when people look back to say that uh, this person here contributed to the world in, in, a, in a major way and inspired other people because I think that sometimes in order for people to, to see that things are possible, they have to see someone who looks like them or is from their city or is from their economic class or whatever the case may be, um, achieving things. And so a lot of what I do is not just for me, it's also to inspire other people. And um, I think that that is something that we often don't think about in the sense of like what we're doing is not just impacting us it's impacting others mm -hmm. 100 now i know i know you're big on mentorship and you touched on it a little just now uh you yeah. know and i know that um you know you mentioned rockefeller and other other people out in the world that are kind of untouchable for for, <laughs> for the likes for the likes of you and me but they can inspire you from a distance yes. are there is there anyone you know, perhaps a little closer to home, uh, maybe that inspired you or, um, or that you watched and you, and you wanted to mimic their work ethic, or did this just come intrinsically from you? And then now you're passing it down to the next generation. No, I think, I think that the, the weird thing about it is that, uh, when I was coming up, I seen a lot of, uh, people who, who worked hard and had a business sense. The only thing though, is that there was always, there always seemed to be this glass ceiling. And I remember, being younger just like 
seeing so many people who be part of the hip hop community, like get to a certain stage in their life. And then all of a sudden they're just like, okay, I'm gonna retire from music and just have kids. And, I, and it always just blew my mind in the sense of like, you're so talented. And like, obviously as, as a kid, you're not realizing that these are priorities that these people have to <laughs> address. Yeah. But at the same time though, it's like, you're looking at it from the standpoint of like, yo man, like we, we really need you, you know? And, and I think that, uh, if I'm looking at it from a local perspective, there were a lot of people, I'm sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but um, there were a lot of people locally that, that uh, like demonstrated the, the work I think that was needed. Don Joyce was one of those people. Um, for those who aren't aware, like he is uh, one of the pioneers when it comes to just music. I wouldn't even say just hip hop music because he um, gave so many people a platform, um, whether it was black music or non-black music. And um, the whole fact that he had a radio show in addition to having his own um uh, like tv show that was kind of like a master t like extended mix where he would have people come on guests and he's filming it he's sometimes hosting it then he's editing the video he's booking the talent like that in itself was just something that i think was um uh really inspiring because uh yeah i i i had never seen anybody like that um but there was other people as well too there was a lot of uh the artists that we would watch like just in the city like the high phonics like just what they were able to do when we were coming up like that in itself was just like wow like these guys are are going to montreal and it's funny because i have conversations with fender case from the group and he's like he's like brother marlon like we 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 were only around for like two years and i'm like dude that two years seemed like an eternity because you guys were doing so much you know um and then even uh Darkson tribe like one of the acts that was very active around that time like just seeing their work ethic and inspired us and so um there there are a lot of names that uh that go unheard of uh from our city that um really gained traction and even ways from tough house records like a lot of the stuff he was doing in the earlier years just showing us that you could actually be from edmonton be from alberta start up a label um like manufacture cds go on tour book all these things get grants like these were things that there were where people weren't aware of these these things that could actually take place and so uh seeing that really helped and and even when i look at campus radio as well too like someone like minister faust who had a radio show and, and it's not till years later that i realized that this guy had, or I shouldn't say this guy, this 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 icon <laughs> had a radio show, but he was also a teacher, but he was also writing books at the same time. And he's uh, a poet and he's doing all these different things. And so I think that um, the whole ad, the whole notion of being a man of many hats who just happens to rap uh, comes from me looking at so many other people that, uh, especially, as I said, uh, Don Joyce and even Minister Faust as well too, just being these people that were never limited to what uh limited to one facet of their art form or, or their or their skill level they they really embrace their artistry and sometimes it can become overwhelming can become taxing because you only have 24 hours in the day you know and sometimes you could drain yourself and and really impact your health but i think that the uh yeah it's it's inspiring to watch but but when you're in the driver's seat sometimes it could be a little <laughs> a little shaky you know yeah now you are effectively known as the man of many hats. We've touched on that a little bit. What yeah. are uh, what are some of those hats? Okay, uh, hip hop MC, um, grant writer, um, 
mentor, um, uh, recently filmmaker, uh, and I shouldn't say recently because I've always dibbled and dabbled within film. Mm -hmm. um, there's a great organization here within the province called FAVA, which is a film and video society of Alberta. And when I was introduced to them, like uh, probably close to, wow, say maybe 15 years ago or so. Um, and I found out that all I had to do was buy a membership and I can go in and access uh, camera equipment and go and film stuff. I would just go in and rental camera equipment and talk to artists in the city and be like, hey, like, can I come film your, your show to gain that experience? Because I really, really had a passion for documenting things. And that in itself kind of led me to be like, okay. Um, and part of the whole thing as well, too, is that as independent artists, a lot of times we don't have the funding that we need. So we tend to be very DIY. So in that, that culture, and I think the DIY culture is something that is very, very, very prominent within Edmonton. Um, you end up learning how to do certain things. So um, all of a sudden I'm having to be a producer on a film. All of a sudden I'm having to be a filmmaker, um, an editor on a film. Um, and then holding the camera, uh, being a camera operator, so on and so forth. So eventually you start developing these skills. And um, again, sometimes it's, it's to save time, sometimes it's to save money, but these skills begin to develop because you're doing it more and more often. And, but yeah, Other Hats, uh, formerly a journalist, um, uh, what else? Campus radio DJ as well too, probably what most people know me for. Um, Urban Hank, sorry, Urban Hank Suite for a number of years. Um, even just being a community builder and just a bigger brother to a lot of other people. But yeah, like pretty much if there's ever anything that needs to get done, I jump into the seat and I do it as best as I can. And I learn as well too, as I, as I go along, because even this whole, um, this whole, uh, I guess, experiment within film, um, essentially the, the, the catalyst of it starts um, at the beginning of the pandemic where um, not able to perform, but I want to create. And it's just like, okay, let me let me invest in in uh, some. And this is where Natalie and I, uh, for those who are familiar with her, Into by Natalie, um, a recent Edmonton uh, trust fund recipient, uh, doing a lot of cool things in the city. Um, we began to shoot music videos where she would shoot the music videos, I would direct them, and then I began to edit them. And that in itself, I bring that up because the, the first video we shot was um, focused. And when I look at that compared to what I'm doing today, there's just been so many uh, leaps and bounds. And I'm hoping to get better at what I'm doing because I'm really challenging myself to become a better filmmaker and also allow for our stories as black people to actually be told from behind the camera as well too. Often we're in front of the camera and I do a bit of acting and so on and so forth, but I think it's more important for us to be behind the camera to make sure that our stories are being told and our, our, our image to, to be represented in the, in the right way. Because sometimes people do us justice, sometimes people don't do us justice. And sometimes it's not intentional, sometimes it's unintentional, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, as a as a DIY um, artist, uh, we often have to research like crazy to find out how to do sometimes the simplest thing. Sometimes it's it's more complicated. Yes. Um, now, bef and before it was trendy, you started a video log where you just pour out all the knowledge that you have and just make it easy for people to to navigate through certain situations in the music industry. 
and yes. uh, you were one of the first one of the first people that I saw do that. What uh, what made you want to do that? Obviously, like there's a lot of time you put into that. When yeah. I know you can put that as a DIY artist yourself, you can put that time into other places that benefit you directly. Yeah. Uh, part of the reason why I did that was because of the fact that um, these were conversations I would be having with artists. And um, a lot of times I would have the same conversation again and again. Right. And um, as opposed to me now. Okay. How do I say this without coming off as being <laughs> a jerk? <laughs> um, your time is precious. Your time is precious. Right. And um a lot of times artists were coming to me without actually doing the research on their own, right? And I'm the type of person where it's just like, I'm going to tell you something that you need to know, even though you don't know you need to know it. And you're probably going to be like, why is this guy telling this to me? But maybe two weeks, maybe two years, maybe uh, five years down the road, you realize like, wow, that's why he was telling me this, you know? Mm -hmm. So with the vlogs, a lot of times, like, um, I'm just going to segue into Urban Hang Suite for a quick second. Sure. Um, with the Urban Hang Suite, a lot of times I would invite artists into the the on-air booth to do live interviews and talk about their process and talk about the projects they were working on. But in addition to doing that interview, what a lot of people weren't aware of is that when we were off air, I was mentoring them and, and saying, hey, you got this album out. Like, have you sent it out to campus radio? They'd be like, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I'm like, well, do you have a, do you have a bio? Do you have this? Like always asking them these questions. And as I'm asking them these questions, like they're realizing, wow, there's so much more for me to know. So I would have that consultation like just off air, right? Mm -hmm. And um, because of the fact that I had, I was no longer in that space where I can invite artists in and do interviews and do that like artist consultation afterwards. And it was totally free. It was just me just sharing information because I'm like, you need to know this, you know? Um, because I wasn't able to do that, I'm like, I have to find a way to still be able to provide artists with this information because one of the biggest setbacks for the generation of hip hop MCs from Edmonton that I came up with is that we didn't have access to a lot of the information that, that we get now. Like I was fortunate enough to have people like Don Joyce, have people like TDY, have people like Kata Pinnock who saw the whole fact that I was a very ambitious person who was very inquisitive and, and just always working. So they would share things with me that um, they probably wouldn't share with someone else because of the fact that it's just like, well, this person says they're serious about it, but are they serious about it? You know, where for me, like it was very obvious that, okay, this dude is like making a lot of sacrifices. He has no social life. <laughs> he just always wants to be involved with music. So um, a lot of people took that time to teach me a lot of things. And the biggest thing for me is that like, um, and this is a lot of people, which it's so weird because there was a lot of people who withheld information, but the people who were, who were uh, very giving with information, I appreciated that. And I want to be for the artists who are coming up now, what we weren't able to have, because I feel that if there was more people who were willing to, share their insights because we all have different experiences right? right and through those experiences we learn certain things and the there's a common misconception that if someone shares information it's going to hinder their ability to grow right but when you look at a school curriculum 
all it is, the textbooks that we read, that we, are, we, we learn things from is, uh, it's uh, essentially an accumulation of other people's experiences that are put within a book. Now, imagine if all those people said, you know what, if I'm not getting paid off of this and I'm not gonna put this information in here and I wanna make a, make a dollar off of everybody who learns what's in this book, then all of a sudden we don't advance as a species, we don't advance as a society. So when I look at it from the ecosystem of music, a lot of it comes down to us actually just saying, these are my experiences. Let me put them out in uh, a digestible manner, whether it's through a vlog or through a uh, curriculum that informs artists so that they can make better decisions and uh, make advances within the, the, the field of music that ends up benefiting everybody. Like the whole fact that you are in a house right now that has, uh, has heat, has four walls, has TVs, couches, all these things here is because various people took their experiences and put them into books so that other people could actually learn and develop that. And now we all benefit from it, you know? So when I look at music, like a lot of times when people are very uh, secret with it, with their information or their experiences, I'm just like, you don't get it. And it's sad because I think that's part of the reason why Canadian hip hop has taken so long for it to actually reach to where it is because we have so many people who have had these amazing experiences, but A, do we actually respect their experiences and actually uh, recognize that and treat them like as if they are something valuable to us? And B, some of the people who have had these experiences, do they look at it from the standpoint of, I don't want to be... I am in the position where I am being treated like gold. I'm being treated like royalty. So let me not um, share any of my secrets because if I do, I may not be here next year, you know, which is a real, when you operate from a place of scarcity, you can tend to end up the self-preservation that you're hoping that you're, you're actually doing ends up coming back to bite you, you know? Yeah, so I know that's it. <laughs> well we're out of time uh, <laughs> uh i'd like to uh slide into some music yes yes um yes. i want you to tell me what song of yours uh that's part of your dis discography you can go back as far as you want uh what Damn. song of yours would you say is the most underrated song wow in, in the way in the fact that you you think it's brilliant for whatever reason and you can and i'd like you to tell us why uh, mm. maybe it's, maybe it's the lyrical content or, or just how it's put together but yeah. you, but you're not sure if if the the audience has quite grasped uh the genius that was put into the song and that we're gonna play that song okay wow wow uh damn shoot that's a tough one dude <laughs> um wow okay uh I've always felt that Travels with Akeem is an, uh, probably the, the, one of the most important songs that I ever wrote. Um, I don't think it's the most underrated, though, because people did uh, people did appreciate it. But um, wow, for some reason, like Liquid Comfort is the one that that, that stands out to me the most. And I, like this is one of those questions where you have to ask it on the spot, but but the artist also needs time to really oh, <laughs> think yeah. about it. I would I would say liquid comfort, um, and more so just from the there's lines that I put in there that that still till today like and it's one of those things where you know as an MC you like you'll you'll spend hours thinking of this like great line and like you'll be like oh my gosh people are gonna flip out when they hear this and then you play it for people and it goes right by them and then when you explain it to them 
it completely takes away the the mm -hmm. power of it because it's just like you should have got this how did you not yep. get this but sometimes we're too deep for our own good you know so mm. um yeah i think liquid comfort because the just to give people context to what liquid comfort was is that it was the opening track for my 2016 album maybe tomorrow and with that album like uh i did so many rewrites of the of different of of every song on that project this song and it's in particular um had been rewritten close to five or six different times and had different beats with it as well too mm. um just because we were trying to like make a masterpiece and we really wanted people to get lost into this world um and so there's certain lines that i have within this that are that really uh are there's a lot of in my opinion clever wordplay as it relates to uh alcohol and i'm i'm not a drinker or anything like that um but i had to kind of get within the this character to really um really like allow people to get lost within the experience um because it was a conceptual album mm -hmm. but there's also some lines in there that uh and i feel like sharing them like breaking them down to you but i'm just like like, yeah, break nah, them down. Gonna... Break them down. All right. So there's this uh there's this one line in the in the song where um because the again the song just speaks about alcoholism and this character who's like reached a point where um he's like so uh so just lost within his vices, right? So it starts out just when I thought I was up on the up. Misery came in, did not give up. Could it be? I was put, was playing pretend. Dreamt of success. Money I spent. My mom, my house. Fuck granny back home. Kind of cliche with us. Although we know when I drink it's still here. Singing your hymns. Praying I'm safe. Praying I win. You hope for the best. Hope I'm not high. There's a hope in hell. Your grandson will survive without all, the, without all the sickle, without all the slide. The bullet, quite frank, I would kill for that vice. Rather my right. Now I see clear. Fear you regret. I regret I have feared. So the line that 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 really stood out to me that I really wanted people to catch on to was the part where I say, uh, "Without all this liquor and without all this lie, to put it quite to put it quite frank, I would kill for that vice. Robbed of my right, now I see clear that you regret. I regret I have feared." So to give just break that down because no one ever caught that, and I get why people didn't get it, but I was like so in love with this one uh netflix tv series um house of cards mm -hmm. and so in the house of cards uh netflix uh series or whatever the main character goes by the name of frank right and within that uh in the season one and this is gonna be a spoiler so i apologize to anybody who hasn't seen it uh frank ends up killing someone in order to get to become the vice president right so i say in the line without all that lie uh without all this lie which is like a, a slang word for for uh for uh for weed or whatever right uh to put it quite frank i would kill for that vice you get that mm -hmm. <laughs> again when you have to explain it it completely loses the impact right mm -hmm. but then i robbed of my right now i see clear so that is me continuing on the, the whole play upon the words because Robin Wright is the one who plays Frank's wife and her name is Claire. So I say robbed of my right, now I see Claire. 
there. Oh, okay. You see? And no one got that. No one got that. And I'm just like, and I, when I explain it to people, we're like, yeah, it's cool. But I'm just like, oh my gosh, do you know how, <laughs> how like the, the thought process I had to go into that to like, because you're looking at a lyric and you're like trying to figure out like, yo, how do I make this even deeper without losing the audience? So on a surface level, it means something, but the double entendre that's there is what essentially I was going for and what a lot of MCs go for. And uh, Jay-Z is one of my favorite rappers and like just the double entendres that he puts in his music, like that's always pushed me to be like, okay, like what else is there that I can actually um, provide to the audience that is going to make them like maybe on the 10th list and they finally catch it. But unfortunately for this one here, no one ever caught it. <laughs> hey, these things happen. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, no, it, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, let's slide into the song right now. Okay. Uh, okay. So this is gonna be Liquid Comfort, Arlo Maverick featuring Leon. Yeah, shout out to Leon. Amazing MC, amazing MC. Mm -hmm. Keep it locked, we'll be right back. Please, can you offer the end? Them people lie, them people lie 
drink You can pour me up a drink I don't really wanna think right now, nah, nah, nah Who said So Arlo, tell me about uh, Politic Live. Uh, for those who don't know, who is who is Politic Live? Okay, Politic Live is a hip hop group from Edmonton, Alberta, uh, hailing from the West End, um, which is comprised of myself, Arlo Maverick, uh, my cousin Dirk Gritty, uh, his brother, which is my cousin Big Anolti, and DJ Sunny Grimes. Um, we the three of us, so the three MCs who are part of the group, we grew up together as, as kids just on the West End, um, loving hip hop music, loving dancing, loving performing. Um, Michael Jackson was a huge inspiration for us as, as we grew up. And so I think that's what made us love to perform and just entertain people. Because um, we would do like dance routines, like do the moonwalk and all these, and dancing was big in hip hop at that point in time. Um, so essentially, going through multiple name changes so on and so forth and different members um around 2002 is when we uh, officially made politic live politic live and from there we um just really kind of hit the ground running and um in the early 2000s like we had a fairly good run um that would be impacted by uh something that kind of threw threw us off and and there's a documentary coming about that, so we, we can we can talk about that later. But uh, <laughs> but uh, the focus on the positive, though. So and I, I, I sorry to bring up the, the negative, but um, yeah, I, a lot of first for Edmonton hip hop came through uh, Politic Live, and part of it was just the time period we were in, where there was just this this um, this urgency upon so many Edmonton hip hop acts to be the first ones to put Edmonton on, which I think benefited all of us as, as a whole, because whether it was Dark Sun Tribe, whether it was Pete Game, whether it was TV's Finest, um, whether it was Smash Bands, like we were all just like pushing and pushing and pushing and trying to make Edmonton um, a national, uh, a nationally recognized uh, hip hop community and scene. And so, as a group, Politic Live, we released three full-length albums, one EP. Um, Gritty released a solo project called This Man's Life. Bigger released a, a solo project called uh, Tommy K. Um, we were the first Edmonton hip hop group to, to do Canadian Music Week. Um, first Edmonton hip hop group to have a music video shot on 35 millimeter film. Um, we did, we performed at a lot of showcases, did a lot of touring. Um, received critical acclaim, had our second album, Adaptation, um, which is uh, a fan favorite. Um, received, yeah, critical acclaim in both Canada and the US and also uh, received award nominations. Um, it also uh, charted as well too. Uh, and I think it peaked, yeah, peaked at number two. Peaked at number two on the national Canadian hip hop charts, um, weekly hip hop charts. And so, yeah, like it was, we had a great run and, and also like when it came to uh, just like as much as we were creating music, we were also building a community at the same time. So 
the mentorship was still present. Um, we had an event called Hip Hop for Hunger that um, uh, like kind of set the foundation for a lot of the community uh, community building you see like through Hip Hop in the Park, uh, uh, Hip Hop on the Ave, Hip Hop for Hope. Like a lot of that stemmed from what we initiated with Hip Hop uh, for Hunger. Um, and that's not to say that we are the epitome of, of anything. It was more so just we saw the need for something and pushed. And um, but we were also inspired by other people who, uh, again, just the time period. And it's 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 one of those things where I wish more people understood the history of Edmonton hip hop to realize that we were basically just an extension of what was there before, adding our own uh, twist to it. You know. Um, but yeah, no, Politic Live, like, uh, yeah, like we, we've, we had a lot of good memories and, and everything and, and we're able to work with a lot of cool people, um, little known to people that, uh, our second album adaptation, um, Shad was actually on that. And at that point in time, like Shad was like completely unknown to people, but we had met him out at Canadian Music Week uh, when we showcased there and just thought he was like the dopest MC. It's just like, yo, this dude's going to be big, you know? Um, Cause like his live show was just, just so sick. And lyrically he was on point. We, he had just released a project called When This Is Over. And it was, it was gaining some traction, but at the same time though, there wasn't a major push behind him, but everyone knew just from watching this dude that this dude was just like a dope MC, you know? And now, so now had, is that, is that how Shad, uh, I know you opened up for him, I want to say recently, but time is just kind of yeah. a lost construct <laughs> on me. Just before the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken, you opened yes. for him. Uh, is that how that came about? I know what's funny about it is that uh, we've opened up for Shad, uh, I want to say twice. Has it, has it been? Wow, I'm trying to, usually my memory is really good, but I'm uh, <laughs> not in the best space today. <laughs> but um, when we opened up for him for Taste of Edmonton, that was um, the organization actually reaching out to us and just feeling that like it would be the proper pairing because I believe he was the only hip hop act for that uh, for that year. And so they had us and um, and K Riz also open up for, for Shad for Taste of Edmonton that year, um, which was a dope pairing because like, um, Riz is Riz is Riz. Like I think that's <laughs> that's that should be a, a, a tagline on a T-shirt. Like Riz is Riz, because like <laughs> when you say K Riz, people understand what you mean. You know, so <laughs> yeah. Um, in a positive, I want to put for those. Oh, who are familiar with oh Riz, yeah, in a positive. In that, a positive. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that was clear. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Riz is a beast. Um, back to Politic Live. What's the status of the group now? Okay, so uh, the status of the group is that we, obviously the the, the beautiful thing about um, Politic Lab is that it's family. So mm -hmm. um, in 2012, uh, Gritty had had wanted to focus more on family and um, the his decision to focus on family meant that we weren't gonna be able to perform um, as often. And he was really pushing for me to do a solo project, which I wasn't, maybe tomorrow was was never supposed to come out. <laughs> Had it not been for Gritty saying like, yo dude, like you need to, to release a solo project because I want to spend more time with my family. Um, then that would have never come out. So thank you to him for, for, for pushing me in that direction. But um, I say all of that to say that um, 
we're family i still see these dudes like obviously the pandemic has has really impacted how often i see them um because our family like we are a very huge family jamaican um and we would see each other like at least once or twice a month just and i don't mean to see each other i mean like have like family gatherings like once or twice a month where everyone's coming a lot of food like everyone just catching up so on and so forth and the pandemic has really impacted that um and so i see the guys just not as often as as uh as i would like to but as i began to do solo stuff sunny grimes who's our dj um was there with me neck and neck um globe trotting with me as well too um traveling across canada so that in itself is has kind of kept itself as a unit so um i've been uh trying to put the bug in and everyone's here in the sense of like yo let's let's do some music or yo let's do a show so on and so forth and the timing wasn't always right but um with um yeah just just recently like the 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 request was made and it's just like yo like let's let's do something and i think part of it as well too is the whole fact that um with uh, another project that we're working on right now um we had the opportunity to sit down and just talk about the history of politic live and and interview people about the history of politic live and so with that it kind of like created this urgency or not urgency but just kind of like a situation of like hey like it'd be real cool if we actually had the opportunity to um just connect and do a, do like a real cool show you know that's dope at uh if it ever happens it's yes. gonna be an amazing <laughs> it's gonna be an amazing show uh i can't yes. wait to see it for one and uh, uh when that does happen you let me know and i will be pushing it for you as well yes no i appreciate that and it's, it's weird still because like there's so many there's i'm a person who as much as i'm always trying to build a future and and move things forward i'm a person who can often uh uh, get lost in in the good the the memory lane the the good old days you know um and just looking back at like interviews that we had done on on much music or a channel or just like just behind the scenes stuff like there's we were fortunate enough um that a we had people who were willing to come out and film for us which allowed us to document so much of our process and so much of our journey um and sometimes we we're just lucky enough to have people who were just like hey i've got a camera i'm not using it go ahead and use it just make sure you don't break it <laughs> um <laughs> and my, my boy uh lou um lou and dwight uh two two trini brothers that, that uh that are from the west end here their mom would always like say to me she's she would let me use her camera it's just like when i look back at it it's just like you're essentially giving an 18 year old kid your your camera that probably cost you a bunch of money mm -hmm. so that he can document uh shows he's doing uh for his group and 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 all these different experiences and it's crazy because like sometimes we say people don't support us and and sometimes we don't look at how sometimes people are putting themselves in positions that they totally should not put themselves into because I've got camera equipment now and if someone would be like, hey, can I borrow your camera? I'd be like, nah, this <laughs> 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 costs money. <laughs> and granted, like we're, we're, we're talking about something entirely different in the sense of like, we're talking about like lenses that are are as expensive as $2,000. So you're, you're very cautious with that. But that in itself is no different than um, 
the camera equipment that my boy's mom would just let us use and like all we had to do was make sure that we didn't break it and so i'm not saying anybody should hit me up asking to borrow my camera uh, <laughs> i'm just saying that um the this word called support can often be a very confusing thing because um we often when people complain about support it's often they're not getting validation from someone who they feel they're trying to prove something to where you'll have other people who will be in your corner and be at your shows and be helping so on and so forth and then you'll go and be like we don't get no support and it's just like well what about that person there you know so i think that and i just i just throw that out there just in, in the sense of like i think that's something that we as artists have to be mindful of is that to be thankful for the people who are willing to go above and beyond for us because those are the people that matter at the end of the day, not the people that don't care about what we do and that we keep on trying to impress and try to get validation from because those people may never become fans. They may never become cheerleaders for you, but the ones who are fans, the ones who are cheerleaders for you, like appreciate those people, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, now, you talked a little bit about globetrotting. You just you glossed over it. And I want to kind of dig, dig, <laughs> dig a little, dig a little deeper into that. Um, now I know music has taken you to South Korea, France, Netherlands, and, and countless other places. Yes. How do you, how do these opportunities come about for you? And, uh, and then once you're in those situations, what do you take away from them? Okay. Uh, so first question is how do these opportunities come about? Um, sometimes it's through uh, showcases like Breakout West, um, which has been a huge help for uh, the us being able to get into these new markets. Um, other times it's just through knowing somebody. The first ever performance that I was able to do overseas was back in 2017, and that was actually at Midem, which unfortunately is no longer um, in the south of France, and it was like amazing. But that was an opportunity that someone who, again, just w watching the work that I was doing, reached out to me and said, hey, I have an opportunity if you're interested, here's what I need you to do. And there's grants that are available for it. Make sure, take care of it and make it happen. And so that relationship got us into, uh, into France. And from France, once I was there, it was just like, okay, um, attended the conference, which I learned so much from um, and in addition to attending the conference, I also uh, was networking like crazy and just meeting people. And so that ended up creating an opportunity for us to get into uh, England because there was some people who were there. Because Midem, like for those who aren't familiar with it, is a uh, international music festival that uh, invites people from all over the world. And they're all, all coming together for this music festival that has their showcase was slightly different, but it was an amazing approach to it. They had what was called the Artist Accelerator. And so you end up going through this boot camp as an artist, and then they eventually put you on this crazy stage by the beach, like, and it is a sea full of people who are watching you as you perform. And they're, the light, the lighting and the sound is amazing. Like you, they literally give you the rock star treatment if you go through this whole artist accelerator thing. And from that showcase experience, that leads to the opportunity to book, create more opportunities, whether it's getting a booking agent, whether it's getting a publicist or whatever the case may be, right? So um, kind of going back to your second question in the sense of, of what you take from these things. Like a lot of it is just like the knowledge relationships. Yeah. Knowledge and relationships, because you have to, 
um, you have to put yourself in a position where you're willing to meet every person and shake every person's hand and also understand that um, it's not a matter of taking from people, it's a matter of creating a mutual exchange because for me, like, I tend to give more than I, I, I receive, right? Um, when you consider the whole fact that I have, like, almost, I think, I think we were around 80 vlog videos that are essentially giving out information and at no point in time am I saying, you have to pay this money here or I'm not going to give you this information if A, B, C, and D. Like, I have to be understanding of the fact that um, you have to bring value and from that value that you bring opportunities are going to are going to manifest in in one way or another you know and but you have to be ready for these opportunities right because there's been um times where just based off the fact that someone's just like yo like this dude is a real cool dude uh love his hustle love his music so on and so forth like let me put this person in a position which is the reason why uh france happened and what's funny is that France happens in June of that year. And I come back and find out that we get accepted for Zandari Festa in South Korea. So then we're off to South Korea, like in September. Like it was 2017 was a roller coaster of a ride. Um, Cause it was like so many things happening that year that I was just like, wow, like, yeah, it was, it was amazing. An award, <laughs> an award tour one might, one might say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking my fam, which I got. I got. I got to say this, man. Like the the award tour, like that idea in itself was inspired by the fact that, like, I remember being on the phone uh, with, with. For those who don't know, that is a, a song, uh, one of our yeah. songs. <laughs> a tribe song, but also an Arlo song. Yes. But a, a Arlo song was inspired by tribe, mm -hmm. and so with that song, there, like the the reason why that song, like, kind of had to come about was that. Moraine and I used to have conversations like for hours where we'd be like, yo, how do we get into Europe? How do we get into Europe? And I remember saying to people like, yo, because it was actually Allison Kwan from um, who used to be part of the AFA, who's now part of the Edmonton Arts Council, uh, one of the grant consultants who was always supportive of, of everything that, that we would do. Um, she had said to me, she's like, after listening to Maybe Tomorrow, she's just like, this album would work really well in Europe. You should really try to get over there. And I'm like, I, I have no contact. She's like, figure it out, you know, which is the thing everyone always says to you, like, figure it out. And you're just like, what do you mean just figure it out? <laughs> but you figure it out. And so um, as with Moraine and I just have these conversations in regards to how do we get over to Europe, like my meeting with Dio, Dio Gibson, who hails from Toronto um, and has always been a big brother to myself and so many other artists in Canada, um, he essentially puts us into this position and once he puts us into this position for us to kind of globetrot and kind of plant the seeds because even um, later on we would be in Holland and connecting with Hanka from New School Rules and that was a relationship that stemmed from Dio as well too. Um, and I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that as much as I was uh, trying to forge this this path for Arlo Maverick I also wanted to represent for my city and I also wanted to make sure that I brought people along for the journey for them to understand like the potential that is there for us as hip-hop and coming from Edmonton because I remember reading stories about um 
Public Enemy uh, in their earlier years and them coming over to Europe. And a lot of, there were certain hip hop artists in the US who focused so much on the American market and kind of dismissed the European market and the just the global market because they didn't get it. And as I'm reading these stories, I'm just like, yo, if I'm ever in a position where I could actually bring my people with me and allow them to see what we can do, then I'm going to do it. And when it came to uh, South Korea, Riz was with me. When it came to France, uh, uh, Moraine was with me. When it came to Talent, Uzi was with me. Like I made sure that I brought my people with me. And that's why I say on a war tour, I'm on a world tour and I'm taking my fam because this is not just about Arlo. This is about like getting us to a place where Edmonton hip hop is like recognized and respected all throughout the world. Yeah. And uh, thanks for bringing me along for every one of those trips. <laughs> uh, hey, I uh, spoke to you. I spoke to you. Greatly <laughs> appreciated. Uh, <laughs> Ladies and hashtag, gentlemen, I spoke to you. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I spoke to you and said, "Chu, you gotta, you gotta come over to Holland." I, he did. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Everybody, he's a good dude. Uh, let's uh, let's slide to some more music. Uh, what song do you want to hear? Another uh, Arlo Maverick song. Wow. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Can we play? Uh, wow. I'm trying to think of the catalog. Uh, Okay, so since we we talked about a war tour, let's let's play a war tour. Let's play a war, war tour. This is a war tour. Arlo Mavic featuring Marine Gatson and Uzila here on SouthSugarRadio.com. If you do not speak English, I am at your disposal with 187 other languages along with their various dialects and sub tongues. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just let the chance. You could say you're literally flying, but I see to your pants. It appears I pass for flying colors. My passport is covered. In every country we rock, I grab something for mother. Monks clutter her cupboard to remind her that I love her. And her son is on a journey. Her prayers help discover. I took my family to see the glow so they can know the potential we hold if we focus on our goals. Late nights and soul eating chicken as we hold conversations about the future and how we plan to grow. Wreck some to London, the vibes and we love them. Telling the road to damn, maybe hop on a tram, cans. But it's late night, stare at the sea. Miles away from Edmonton, however, did we reach yo? Europe and Asia, some may say luck. Cause the only time I flew as a child was to Jamaica. I'm on a world tour, and I'm taking my fam. I'm taking my fam, I said I'm taking my fam. I'm on a world tour, and I'm taking my fam. I'm taking my fam, I said I'm taking my fam. I'm on a world tour, and I'm taking my fam. I'm taking my fam, I said I'm taking my fam. I'm on a world tour, and I'm taking my fam. I'm taking my fam, I'm taking my fam. Are the good looking? I just got the confirmation for the booking. We can make it out of Edmonton if I've made it from Brooklyn. I tried to tell my there's more to this life than this. Picture us on Boeing jets taking private trips to get paid and tell rhymes on stage. No layaways or delays. I wrote this on the plane, just imagine. Manifesting hard work, it can happen. I remember the days when I was laughed at for rapping. Now my high school haters in my DM like, you really popping. Damn, you see the irony? I always believed in a higher me And 9 to 5 isn't cut for me Rather be in Rotterdam with a dime down a me But nothing beats the feeling when I come back home To dump all my Can't wait to bring them along, you know 
Patience is virtue, dog. It won't be long till the world talk. With Mohammed, my man. With Mohammed, my man. World talk. With Mohammed, my man. I'm on a world tour, and I'm taking my fam. I'm taking my fam. I said I'm taking my fam. I'm on a world tour, and I'm taking my fam. I'm taking my fam. I said I'm taking my fam. I'm on a world tour, and I'm taking my fam. I'm taking my fam, I said I'm taking my fam, I'm on yeah. a world tour, and I'm taking my fam, yo, I'm yo. taking my fam, yo, I'm yo. taking my fam. Look, everything is everything now, I know I made my granny proud, I hope the town see I'm proud to be where I'm from, I say it loud, popping champagne and champagne, I yeah. hope you enjoying the campaign, we came so far, the world know our name, work through new schools in Europe, put a note for the town, they like, who yeah. do? Get a clue, guess it's been that to give you the blues, it's true, Takes a little longer when you build it organically. Never spit in fantasies. This is my reality. Where I'm from, if you make it to 25, it's like you hit the lottery. I came in this game. I never had my hand out. All I ever wanted for labels to hit my plan out. Wrote a letter to the world, hoping we're paying out. And when it didn't, I got discouraged. Till I found my purpose. God drew my blueprint, and now I see it was worth it. I'm on my world tour, and I'm taking my fan. I'm taking my fam, I said I'm taking my fam, I'm on a world tour, and I'm taking my fam, I'm taking my fam, I said I'm taking my fam, I'm on a world tour, and I'm taking my fam, I'm taking my fam, I said I'm taking my fam, I'm on a world tour, and I'm taking my fam, I'm taking my fam, I'm taking my fam, I'm on a world tour, and I'm taking my fam, I'm taking my fam, I said I'm taking my fam, I'm on a world tour, and I'm taking my fam. I'm taking my fam, I said I'm taking my fam, I'm on a world tour, and I'm taking my fam, I'm taking my fam, I said I'm taking my fam, I'm on a world tour, and I'm taking my fam, I'm taking my fam, I'm taking my fam. I love Marine's verse in that, by the way. Oh, dude, it's uh, <laughs> it's 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 such a honestly, man. Like like yeah, that 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 verse, like it, it's just yeah, it just sums up sums up the whole experience, man. That's 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 why I love that verse. Like I yeah. I hear that verse and I think to myself, yeah, I think that I think this is the song. Like what the song's about, right there. Yeah, like it just yeah. Capt- uh, it just captures the vibe of the uh, of what I imagine the trip was like. What, what what's funny about that that track is that there's another verse that I have for it that focuses strictly on Canada, and I'm trying to do a remix so that I could actually use that verse because I I do it whenever we perform. Um, but it's it's one of those one of those things where it's just like, well, I was happy to talk about all these places we've been to across like the world, and just like yo, like people don't realize how beautiful Canada is and how many cool spots there are in Canada. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Now okay. I, you uh, you do like to be behind the lens. Yes, yes. Hey, you've got a brand new documentary that uh, is just starting to roll out on Telus Optic TV called Allow Me to Introduce. I caught the first yes. episode with Doom Squad, which was okay. very, very well done. And I learned Thank a lot of, learned a lot of things I did not know. Thank you. Um, so I highly recommend anyone go check that out. Um, yeah, talk about that documentary, please. Okay, so um, the whole idea of Allow Me to Introduce... Um, it stems from the just the the fear that Canadian hip hop history and more importantly Edmonton hip hop history is going to be forgotten, you know, um, because if it's not documented, then no one knows about it, right? And mm-hmm. when I look at it, like the 
the artist or the act that kind of inspired all this was the Maximum Definitive, which we unfortunately can't release the episode just yet. There's some things we're trying to trying to trying to sort through, and there's also a Politic Live episode that we're still trying to uh, finalize. But the Maximum Definitive was the group that uh, kind of started this ball rolling in the sense of like no one knew that there was a group from Edmonton that had a Juno nomination and won a Much Music Video Award and that mm. those members from the group went on to do some really amazing things for Canadian music um, and impact other fields as well too. And so um, tell us uh, story how I put out an open call and uh, Natalie and the Natalie hit me up. She's like, hey, I really want to apply for, for something because she was just getting into the film at that time. Um, and I shouldn't say she was just getting into film because she's been kind of dibbling, dabbling in it. But that would have been um, her first, uh, well, it became her first grant that she was able to get. Um, but that would have been like her first like project as far as like, okay, this is I'm a project lead. I'm creating the story, so on and so forth. So we kind of went back and forth and brainstormed on what would be a cool idea. And I'm like, hey, would you be interested in doing this? She's like, yeah, sure, that's dope. Because there's a story there. And the biggest thing with a documentary is that there has to be a story, you know? <laughs> um, and so put forward the application, ends up getting approved, um, and we have to make this thing happen. But the funny thing about it is that the normal normally story have grants are way more money than what we got for this <laughs> because <laughs> because it was an open call the funding wasn't uh there wasn't a lot of funding and so this essentially became a passion project where we were um putting in more hours than the grant was allowing for us to do so but at the same time though it's like you just do what needs to be done because it needs to be done you know mm -hmm. um and but what we found is that with every interview we did, it's just like we're learning things. And granted, I've, all, I've always considered myself to be an Edmonton hip hop historian. There's so much things, uh, there's so much history that I'm not even aware of. And so uh, we're sitting down with Doom Squad um, and we wanted to get more interviews. And I think the, the tough thing about it is that because this idea is so new, a lot of people that we reached out to to do the interviews with were they either didn't understand it. So they said, nah, I, I don't want to be interviewed or they just didn't have the time. And I really wish they would have made the time because I think that we are on to something that we, at this point, we have four episodes uh, that we've done interviews for and two of them are released, but we have another two in the can. And then we're trying to get funding to do a next series, a next round of, of uh, episodes that would actually look at Alberta hip hop. So we're talking about going to Calgary we're talking about, uh, and yeah, I don't want to mention artists or anything like that, but but there's some pretty big um, releases that have come from our province that we want to kind of tell the backstory of. And so through this docu-series, like we're going to be essentially finding a way, and this is what's, what's, what's kind of, I know I'm kind of all over the place because there's so much that we're trying to accomplish here, right? Mm -hmm. um, You'll notice as you're watching the episodes, um, A, we try to look at how this song, so sorry, I've kind of jumped over it, but allow me to introduce it essentially a docu-series where we tell the story of Edmonton hip hop through song. And what mm -hmm. we do is that we profile an artist and a song that impacted them, but also raised the profile of Edmonton hip hop. So for example, with Doom Squad, their song, Lost In My Mind, became the first, uh, to our knowledge, became the first 
uh, song to really go viral on Spotify in the sense of like reaching uh, a tremendous amount of streams over a short period of time um, and being a song that really resonated with them and ended up opening doors for them to do so many things because um, when it comes to Spotify, I believe they were one of the first acts that really, uh, and, and this is the thing, Kripal, um, who's like the main guy of that group, like he is a very smart dude and very ambitious, very hardworking. Um, his business sense just is so remarkable and, and something that, that I don't think that people people realize it but i don't think they realize it you know <laughs> and it's through having the conversations with him and, and uh having conversations with other people where you're just like wow like this dude's a real sharp dude you know but the that episode kind of speaks towards the how the group was formed um what the scene was like who they were inspired from the, from within the scene um and because of that we're able to tell their story while telling the story of them hip hop at the same time, you know. So yeah, um, it was yeah, it was very well done in that way where you you weave in some uh, some other stories, um, but you stay on topic at the same time, and then yeah. uh, and then the music is also forefront. Uh, yeah, so it's very very well done. I look forward to the rest of the series. I know uh, I, when I looked, I saw there were two out right now. Yes, yeah, so there's uh, uh, so so I'm going to check out that other one. Okay, but, uh, but Doom Squad, yeah, very very well done. No, thank you, thank you. Um, and sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say the, there's uh, more story hive news. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, this past Tuesday, um, an announcement was made um, in regards to the recipients of Storytellers Hive or Tell a Story Hive's uh, Black Creators Edition, and yours truly was one of the recipients. So there you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Uh, thank you thank you thank you so i am really excited to see um what we're able to do with this project because um unlike allow me to introduce there's a segment of or a component i should say of mentorship that's going along with it with this uh with the creation of, of these uh this new documentary and this new addition to tell a story hive so um a lot of the mentorship I've received so far from uh, within the world of film has come via Michael McDonald, who has been a, a tremendous help. Um, he is a filmmaker, um, ethnomusicologist, uh, U of A prof, or uh, sorry, Grammy Cuban prof, but a prof. Um, and he's been just helping us in the sense of like better understanding the world of film from developing story to editing to color correction, like all of the stuff, the stuff that he's uh, really taking the time to really allow us to better understand and even helping me co-direct some videos as well too. Um, but with, uh, and also the YouTube, uh, there's so many YouTube channels that I won't shout any names, but YouTube has been like my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, YouTube University. Yeah, YouTube University has so many tutorials that have allowed me to just learn, which is so beautiful because I'm helping other people with my vlogs, but then other people are helping me with theirs, you know? So um, just the growth that I've had within like the last six months and just doing more editing um, and taking on new projects. So I say all that to say that with StoryHive, because of the fact that there's actually a mentorship component to this, I think that the my work going forward from this should even like even be stronger you know and i look forward to all the things i'm going to learn from from just that experience and also telling the story because um for those who aren't aware i'm punchable crew 
um, is or was a supergroup of b-boys uh, from the 80s um, there was a situation that happened <laughs> that inspired uh, the need for the b-boys in the city to, to not be in their own little silos it was like okay like we can't let someone come into our territory and win a championship on Edmonton soil uh, ever again and so that's all I'm giving you guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no spoilers we, we want to see it it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun and and the biggest thing about it too is that just cataloging these stories that no one knows about because um darren jordan who is now known as like uh mr five artists one love at one point in time was a b-boy in the city and he was one of the one of the best b-boys in the city but no one knows that you know and, and i only found out that because I was at the barbershop and this is the great thing about barbershops is that like <laughs> if you need to know anything go to a bar black barbershop <laughs> i know more than you need Max. to know so i'm at the barbershop talking to steve and uh steve's lining me up and i'm just like yeah steve like we're, we're trying to do this. this is like years ago um because michael mcdonald's working on a book about image and hip-hop and he's like uh so i'm talking with steve i'm just like yeah now this one uh u of a prof is working on a book about Edmonton hip-hop and I'm trying to and like I know stuff but I'm and so he he and I are just having this conversation he's like yo why don't you talk to Darren Jordan I'm like I'm like Darren Jordan he's like he's like yeah Darren Jordan he's like you don't know about Darren I'm like nah and at this point in time I knew Darren for probably three or four years because we had been working with Five Artists One Love and he's like yo Darren was part of a crew called Supreme and these guys were uh these b-boys popping up and I'm like yo I didn't like, believe it. You're like, you got the wrong Darren Jordan. Yeah, I'm like, yo, you got it. But there's only one Darren Jordan, you know? So I'm just like, I'm like, nah, this can't be. And then after, he's like, literally, he's like, yo, ask Darren. So I asked Darren, and all of a sudden, it's just like, dude, why didn't you tell me this? And it's like one of those things where I get it in the sense of like, do you just come on and be like, hey, I was like the number one breakdancer. You know, it's just like, you don't do that. But at the same time, though, it's like, that's where I think the onus kind of falls upon people from the community who are storytellers to tell these stories so that other people don't have to keep coming out and saying hey did you know i did this in 1989 hey did you know i did this and you know it's like <laughs> yeah. we have to catalog their stories and, and, and make sure they're told correctly because yeah like the stories aren't aren't told and um these are people that that have created the foundation for everything that we do as far as hip-hop music you know in the city Now, before I let you go, I just have one more question for you. Um, when all is said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? Wow, true, man. You, you, you asking the, them hard questions, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. I... The easy answer would just be to say that I was a nice guy that helped people out. <laughs> the... the uh... The deeper answer though, um, and probably the more genuine one, um, would just be someone who uh, was a change agent, um, who saw that work had to be done and, and knew that something had to change and, and stepped in. And uh, what you do in the various hats that I wear, it's enforcing a very uh, thankless job, you know? Um, you have situations where you are 
you're trying to build something and people uh, don't see it as this person is trying to build, let me build with them. A lot of times people see it as this person's willing to build and willing to make that sacrifice. Let me get what I need and keep it moving, you know? Um, so in that sense, it could be very thankless, but, and it's not to say you're doing it for the thanks, but you're doing it hoping that people will, you're modeling a behavior that you're hoping that other people will be like, hey, that person there is giving back to the community. That person there is building a community. Let's all do it so we can all benefit from it, you know? But that's not always the case, right? Um, so at the end of the day, I think that if my legacy, if people look back at all the work that I've done and, and um, respect them and recognize and acknowledge the hard work, that's great. But I think the biggest thing is that being known as, as a person who saw something had to be done and stepped in and, and, and just did it, you know? Um, a lot of the things that I'm doing are things that, that don't need to be done. They, some of the things have never been done because people just never saw the point of it. But as I'm doing these things, people are just like, wow, like, that's so important that you did that. Like, Hip Hop for Hunger, like, when we started that, like, the whole idea of throwing a hip hop concert that would actually give back to the community, like, that's something that was so far off because it's just like, yo, you have to be a celebrity to do that. It's just like, no, we can do this here, you know? Um, the whole idea of, like, like, learning about grants and being like yo like let me tell other people about grants and like help them get grants like that's something where it's just like i wasn't the first artist to get a grant in in, in the city i was just the first to tell every other artist that i knew <laughs> these are the grants that are available this is how you get them get them so again just just being i know it sounds it sounds hokey and it sounds trite the whole Gandhi uh, quote, but like be the change that I want to see in the world. You know, like mm. a lot of times people complain about about things that are wrong in the world, and then you look at their uh, their behaviors, their actions, and it's just like what you're saying doesn't align with what you're actually doing. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's a situation of I want to see a community where people are uh, uplifting each other. I wanted to see a community where where those who were considered to be OGs were actually mentoring. So I became a mentor, you know? Um, I wanted to, to see uh, a community where people are, are are like supporting each other. Like even you look at me on, on Instagram, like I, when I get the chance, like, yo, if someone's doing something that's real cool, I'll share it because it's just like, yo, that's what we need to do because I had a conversation with uh, this one dude yesterday and I won't mention Jenks, I'm not sure if he wants me to say this, but we were talking about how you'll see artists from the city. Um, and I know we're supposed to be closing things out, but <laughs> I just want to share this. <laughs> I'll share, go ahead. You was talking about how you'll see artists from the city who won't like or comment on something from someone from their own city, but if it's a major label artist, they're liking and they're in the comment section, like, and it's like so crazy because it's just like, you realize that the same energy you put towards a Drake or to a Lil Wayne or whomever the case may be, if you did that with your own city, your own city would probably be the next place. But a lot of times people don't look at it like that. They're less like, hey, well, if I go comment on this page, then so-and-so is going to recognize me. And it's just like, no, they're not. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they, they, like, And that's, that's not me trying to be insulting or take away from the artist. But at the same time, though, the artist, like, it's kind of like being that person who is so attractive that you get so much attention 
to the point that you don't care about the attention you get because it's like you kind of expect it now but then the person who's actually a good person doesn't get any attention and it's just like but that's the person who's going to treat you treat you good so Mm -hmm. as it relates to 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 hip-hop in the city i think that we have to start supporting one another because all our efforts and energies that we're directing into other communities those communities are doing better while our community continues to struggle and then you yourself as an artist will say oh man there's no support it's just like Mm -hmm. but are you supporting those around you you know so to sum up your entire interview, we need to support people that uh, are not attractive, but the people with good personalities. <laughs> All right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a nation. If people want to follow your journey, how do they find you online? Uh, um at Arlo Maverick on everything, um, youtube.com slash Arlo Maverick. Um, just put in a Google search. I created a unique and very specific name so that you would not have troubles finding me. Uh, this is a name that there's only one, um, but hopefully maybe one day people will name their children Arlo Maverick, but uh, <laughs> you can find me <laughs> yeah, maybe. pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at, again, at Arlo Maverick on everything. And yeah, um, just put in the Google search and you'll find everything about me. You'll find articles about me as well, too. And um, the biggest thing that um, uh, when it comes to finding me is that my YouTube channel is probably the best place to actually um, discover more about me. I've created um, playlists that are uh, very specific to, to certain things that people may be looking for. So if you want to see what the live performance is like, we've got virtual and live performances there. If you want to listen to interviews to kind of get a better understanding of who I am as a person, that's there. If you want to see videos about my process, I do have videos on that. Um, There's music videos that I've done. Um, Yeah, so I've I've kind of just allowed that to be a place where if you really want to better understand Arlo Maverick, then that's probably the best place to and subscribe while you're there. And that's A-R-L-O, in case you didn't know. Yes. Arlo Maverick, everybody. you got silence the mad haters let them know that you hot you had everything to lose and you know it's a lot to rewrite the history of who's hot and who's not so watch the plot thicken as you come to give it your shot spending every last minute trying to get to the top soon it's gonna pop but you finna be happy you fought what the haters gonna say when the album drops. step to the mic step to the mic To make a break, ain't no mistakes on the stage Cause you're playing for the wage and the stakes are high To live a better life, so it's do or die So if I can interject for a sec with advice Do your homework, you better work till you're nice The same for amateurs, so you better keep it tight Bring the metaphors, bring the boss to life Step to the mic Step to the mic If you got what it takes for the cameras and lights Then you're gonna be alright, ain't nothing to fear Step to the mic 
to the mic like a dream come true think you're ready for tonight don't be intimidated by the glare of the light you prepared for this life you gonna be alright just step to the mic step to the mic like a dream come true think you're ready for tonight don't be intimidated by the glare of the light you prepared for this life you gonna be alright just step to the mic step to the mic step to the mic step to the mic